Welcome back to the Social Currency Marketing Podcast. Thanks for being here, as always. I am Jess Jensen, and joining me is my friend, Tuck Ross. How are you, Tuck? I'm doing so well. How are you? Good. Excellent. Awesome. Having a good week? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, if you guys are just joining us, we are the Social Currency Show, and we are here to build your social currency, all about getting you current on digital marketing and social media topics super quick. And this is the kind of thing where we cover, uh, especially in this type of episode, a new format for us, where we're going through the news, topical items around digital marketing and social media, giving you what you need to know so that you can walk into a meeting, a conversation, or even just for yourself, be more enabled for you and your business to better understand the environment that we're in and how to use the different news that you're getting to be able to enable your digital media and social media strategies. So with that, we actually have some pretty exciting news. I love this topic that we're about to hit on. And and Jess, uh, I'd love you to talk a little bit more about what is going on with digital marketing spend and what happened this week that was such a big deal. Yeah, so the first topic we're gonna dive into here is this idea of marketing spend uh, for digital in the US for the first time beating out traditional marketing spend. So as of 2019, uh, and this is according to an Ad Exchanger article that we'll be sure to link to in the show notes, um, digital ad spend has surpassed traditional advertising for the first time, growing to 129.3 billion with a B, according to an eMarketer forecast. Um, A lot of this is driven by mobile, which is now about two thirds of the digital category, and then also TV dollars shifting to OTT or online video. Um, So uh, one of the things that's interesting is that I know there's been a lot of discussion about the kind of the duopoly of uh, of, um, Google and Facebook, uh, but actually the sort of the mover and the shaker, although still small from a percentage perspective, but growing quickly is actually Amazon. Yeah, lots going on with commerce. And and we talked a little bit about Pinterest in a previous episode. So many players uh, that are helping expand this landscape with different types of formats, different types of medium. We got, you know, Reddit coming in with advertising, but they're really the big platforms, like you mentioned, Google, Microsoft, Verizon, right, with their recent purchases and how they're taking over the space, uh, as well as Facebook, and now Amazon coming up with a significant portion of share um, that's you know still tiny but growing at a, at a very fast pace, and um, and that's the Amazon advertising platform again due to commerce. But there's so much happening here, and I just you know from a personal side of things. I love I love seeing this happen. It just means there's so much opportunity. It's really the golden age of digital marketing and and media and this major transition that you know years from now we'll look back and be like, oh, you remember? Do you remember when traditional ad spend was bigger than digital media ad spend? Um, I remember back when I I first started in this space, and you talk about media valuations being a hundredth of what traditional media was and having to fight for dollars to get money into budgets for digital marketing and the struggle to be able to prove ROI in this space. And now seeing this flip over where it's actually larger in terms of total share, just a massive testament to the power of this space and what a brand and business could do with it. Yeah, I'm similar. I remember, I mean, it really was not even 10 years ago. I remember having discussions about you know, please, 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 can we allocate 10% of our media budget to digital? You know, 10%. 
and this fight for for dollars and in it's it's really remarkable how fast it's grown it really it's less than a decade that we're talking about and you think about like the history of advertising as we know it has been around you know back in the day from like radio years right, right. so you know 80 years ago um so for it to it to go from being you know 10 percent or less of um you know x brands paid media budget to now superseding traditional advertising, including broadcast, which has always been, you know, the, the kind of the whale of the spend in my experience is it's remarkable. It's, and I think part of it is that there are so many different options within digital. Again, there was a time when it was search and maybe some paid social and go back to this idea of OTT, think about the way that we consume ads now through um, streaming services, that's a whole new sector of digital that didn't exist a few years ago. Yeah, that's a good call. And, and, and you just mentioned TV and right, this kind of transition from, but a lot of that is because a lot of traditional is turning into digital and you've got over the top TV and, and um, you know, addressable TV and digital radio and streaming through Pandora and Spotify, which now counts as, you know, radio services in, in many people's view, uh, podcast advertising, like we've talked about, all these things going digital and being counted in that digital number um, where they weren't counted and or they're transitioning to new formats that are now being counted in that space. So um, really interesting to see. And a lot of these things, again, just kind of flipping over and then completely new white spaces like social media and um, and the way Amazon's starting to monetize differently, uh, you know, in all these different ways, too. So just exciting. Right. And just exciting to see that it's also not maturing. That's continuing to expand Facebook, you know, looking at their their um, their their quarterly reports coming out saying they're beating every time on their EPS because of the revenue growth and Google growing and mobile just continue to blow up and have so much inventory available um, because of the amount of eyeballs and attention that people are spending time with these platforms. Yeah, and it's a good call to sort of explain it from the standpoint of things actually transitioning from being quote traditional to digital. Um, I think the other two components that um, that I've experienced are one that are driving this trend. One is um, the notion of data, being able to uh, measure and collect data and results. Absolutely, yeah. Right, like you can't the, the the granularity of data. Like again, think about like back in the day with like Nielsen TV set boxes. I mean, like that was the extent to which you could. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's judge things based on a few people that self-report onto a box that you know is apparently like representative Iowa. of America. Yeah. Uh, right? I mean, come on. Now, now everybody that has an individual endpoint that's reporting in, which is so exciting. That's that's the power yeah. of the platform. Yeah, so data I think is huge and almost to the point where again it's it can become paralysis analysis. Like, you know, there's so much data that it's hard to even figure out how to cull it and package it in a way that's actually understandable and actionable for especially for again an executive or a board or folks that are outside of marketing. So it's almost the opposite problem. But that's one piece I think that's that's driven a lot of this. And then the and then to the efficiency. So we've talked a lot in, in earlier episodes in season one about um, the ability to target and the demographic and psychographic data we have now through all the information that we have, we have um, of our own fruition shared on social, um, but also our purchase behavior through Amazon, obviously our search behavior, which is huge indicator through Google, that allows us to do this amazing, again, granular, really specific targeting. And so the amount of waste that we once had with like a Super Bowl ad is 
like insane. You would never ever spend your money like that on digital. So yeah. it's just a it's a it's a cool new world. Yeah, I mean, because it's efficient, it's accountable, and you have the ability to track it, which is why you know it's it's impressive. And again, this is growing because that's where the attention is. That's where the consumers are. That's where people are finding value. Otherwise, these wouldn't be growing. Because if people weren't seeing success here, they wouldn't be spending here. But they are, which is cool. So one of the points we talked about here is Amazon. You know, and, and switching the next topic here. Um, I'm super pumped. I love Amazon. I have the credit card. I have the Prime. I've got the, you know, I, I've got Amazon Prime Video, like the whole thing. And uh, I, I like, I love the ecosystem and, and I love what Amazon's starting to do with advertising and how that's starting to grow, like we just talked about. They are launching uh, live streaming home shopping called Amazon Live. And I, I'm actually so like curious, like why this hasn't happened earlier, because they are the ultimate shopping platform, right? This massive unlimited long tail of inventory that goes forever, third party marketplace. They have people and, and they really kind of built the whole concept of um, ratings and reviews and five star reviews and having people share and build the platform um, to be able to have people go in and judge products based on what other people are sharing. And now they're actually going to have live talent broadcasting live, uh, Amazon talent, as well as individual brands, probably influencers coming up um, as part of Amazon Live, talking through products, which will likely even include things like exclusives, just like Home Shopping Network or QVC, and really maximizing the platform that Amazon has. Yeah, th- this is this is really exciting. And we got to go back again to the discussions we've had where we talked about video, 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 right? It's all, it's all, it's all about, about video. video. <laughs> and then more recently, we've talked about why it's all about live video. And of course, this is like the trifecta, right? It's like the powerhouse of e-commerce and online shopping. Again, loads of data about our behavior and our search, coupled with the fact that video is so predominant right now. And People right. are enthralled with anything live because it feels natural and human and authentic, whereas a lot of the other content we see is so packaged. Yeah, I mean FOMO, right? FOMO. You don't want to. You don't want to miss out. And and that is what uh, you know. I think it's a huge part of QVC is that you only get these tiny windows where you get product exclusives or certain packages, bundles or whatever that you can buy. And now Amazon's making it super easy to do that by connecting. You know, honestly, what is a content program, right? Creating live video that can exist solely for the purpose of selling things already on their platform, but giving people that that more visible, visual, you know, hey, we're demoing a product. Hey, we're talking to the product with the creators, with the brand, with the product managers. There's so many ways to take this um, and really expand on that 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 demonstration. And you've mentioned this before, the power of YouTube being how-to videos. This is going to be Amazon's how-to video platform tied exactly to the endpoint where someone can purchase it. Yeah, and I do wonder if this idea, although it sounds like they tried it a couple of years ago back in 2016, so it's not like this is brand new for them, but this idea, if it rose out of um, the fact that they own Zappos, right? And Zappos has been doing these, I always refer to them as haul videos um, for their shoes for years. And in fact, it's one of the reasons that I buy on Zappos is because I love that I can actually not just see like six different angles of a, you know, a cute pair of brown boots, but I can actually see someone walking around, turning in a circle, oh, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, like how it sits on her calf, like all those things. It, it, it's way different in video human form. So I don't know if that had any influence here to bring this whole idea back, but uh, I think it's, it's powerful. And then if you add to that, like you said, influencers or 
um, the element of celebrity, it's just going to make it even more exciting and, and, and enthralling to watch. Yeah. And, and look, they have a massive platform that already can launch into this called Amazon Prime Video. And by the way, it's on every Fire TV. It's hooked into every Apple TV. And especially for the capabilities that come through Fire TV in some of the other locations, whether you're on your desktop or iPad or whatnot. Um, and I actually saw an ad for this the other day. They were promoting Handmaid's Tale actually coming on to uh, Amazon Prime Video. And the whole ad was just showing that. And then someone watching that saying, hey, Alexa, I'd like to order the book. And it pops up over that. You can check out with the book while you're watching the show, it pauses you out and then drops you back into the show. The book's already on the way to your house because you just ordered it real time. And if you think about the capability of this and that you could sit there watching something on your TV and say, hey, Alexa, I'd like to add this to my cart and boom, it's done. This The shopping experience is so seamless there that that's really gonna, like the transaction goes away and it just becomes part of your viewing experience. Like, yeah, the idea that you're watching a show and you see something that you want to buy and you can just ask Alexa to put it in your shopping cart. The other way I could see this being um, powerful is we go back to that episode, actually two episodes we had with Jen Whelan um, at Credio and the whole, you know, creepier, cool kind of retargeting discussion. So, you know, often I'm sure you've had this happen to a number of times where you put something, you go as far as putting something into your cart and then you you abandon ship, whatever. You run out of time, you got to go to a meeting or you actually aren't sure if you want to spend the money right now or whatever, you're comparison shopping. So you don't actually pull the trigger. And, you know, some brands, not all, but some will retarget you. Um, and even send you an email and say, hey, we said this just happened to me last week, actually. Um, hey, we saw that you were looking at XYZ shirts. You know, we'd love to kind of want to come back. And here's the photos of what you were looking yeah, at. Yeah, basically. yeah. Well, what if they used these video? I mean, again, gets into the creepier cool thing. Could feel a little too, <laughs> too invasive. Just depends on who you are. But you get an email from Amazon, not just with the, hey, we saw that you left, you know, that new garden hose in your shopping cart and never bought it. But what if there's a video of someone like in their yard using the garden hose and like talking about how great it is. And it's like that much more immersive. It's in your inbox, it's video based, and it's exactly the object or the item that you were about to buy. Yeah, I I totally see that, you know? And and so I think if you're a brand or a business thinking about this, um, this is probably gonna be a a pay to play option, right? Like Prime Day, if you wanna be in on Prime Day, if you wanna be featured in that limited time window, like a lightning deal or something that's exclusive, you have to pay to get into that. And that's gonna be like this because it's very limited inventory. They're only gonna do a little bit. And um, and at least at the beginning, they're gonna make it very exclusive, I think, to be a part of. So if you're a brand, you can consider that. I think the other thing that you could take away from this is, by the way, shopping with video and in social platforms, super smart idea. So be thinking about, again, how do you do this on Pinterest? How do you do this on Instagram? Those are way more efficient platforms you could tie to your Shopify platform and or just directly to your website, spend a little money and you get a lot more potential there. If Amazon's doing it, it's legitimizing it and it means that there's a huge potential there. Look at other platforms to see how you could kind of leverage that, um, that mentality as well. Yeah. And to your point about it, it being a bit exclusive in, in this Business Insider article that we're, we're referencing, which again, we'll, we'll link to in the show notes, you know, it's, it explicitly talks about how it's going to develop um, a, a fashion series hosted by Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn of, of course, t- TV's Project Runway. Oh, make and it work. 
Right. So like, and this is going to be available exclusively to Prime members, just like you were saying. So um, there'll be the sort of, you know, entry level, like a lot of these, uh, you know, sort of service service oriented platforms are now that's free that everyone can get those videos that maybe are um, driven, driven out of Amazon for whatever reason, they say that they're good, they're good sellers or best sellers. And then yeah. there's going to be this extra level higher where if you're a prime member, you actually get to see this Heidi Klum show, which you wouldn't get to see otherwise. I'm totally watching. <laughs> Done. <laughs> She's so hot. Nothing else to say about like the power of Amazon. And again, it, it kind of, um, it, 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 it bleeds into this larger topic that I know we've touched on and I think we're going to come back to in future episodes around like this power of this concentrated power around tech brands. Um, and it, there's a, there's a blessing and a curse there, right? There's a, um, obviously a, a, a curse potentially from an advertiser perspective because they, they do have such a corner on the market, but huge blessing from a consumer or a small business pr- perspective, because they're always innovating. They're always trying new things and they're always opening up these kinds of opportunities for businesses to experiment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, such a huge opportunity. It's so cool to see. Um, all right, hey, so, you know, in the topic of emerging platforms, uh, we we love to see what's coming next. And um, and we've talked a bit more about kind of what's burgeoning, uh, what's growing. What's the next thing that we're seeing? You know, this article came out this week, um, you know, that that we found, what's, what's coming up? What's this next big one that we're keeping an eye on here? Yeah, so this is an article from Sensor Tower, um, which I'm not super familiar with, but they've they've run some some studies and done some some data on um, uh, TikTok, which we haven't talked about at all. That's kind of hard to say quickly. We haven't talked about TikTok. Um, so cute at all. I love <laughs> that <see>. name. <laughs> TikTok. Um, but you know, I actually recognized it um, from its sort of former life, which was Musically and Musically. Um, TikTok, both owned by Beijing-based ByteDance, so again, Chinese-based platform. So the the article really um, is touting the fact that TikTok has surpassed one billion installs across um, the App Store and Google Play. Yeah, it's huge, massive. So again, if you're not familiar with with that, Musically grew up here in the U.S. They started. It was really kind of this like karaoke app, so you can go in there, sing a song, share it with your friends, and sort of like how did this not happen earlier? Because everybody loves to, you know, pantomime and and lip sync to videos. That's exactly what this is. They're doing the karaoke in the app. They're sharing with their friends. And by the way, TikTok, um, started by ByteDance, you know, was doing the same thing. So they're like, hey, this is a natural. We don't have to build an app in the US. We can just buy this. They folded it in. They introduced the TikTok name and then they actually depreciated uh, Musical.ly. So Musical.ly is gone. Um, it was like a three-year thing. It's gone now. TikTok's taking over, but globally, these are the numbers. Globally, fourth most downloaded non-game app for all of 2018. Number three app globally in terms of new installs across both the Apple um, Store and uh, the Android Store, and was the number one non-game app in the United States last month. So they're looking at about 71.3 million users worldwide, and uh, and 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 just beyond and beyond and beyond. So this is where you know. When you're thinking about the next thing, you may not have ever heard of TikTok, right? You may not have ever said, you know, kind of what's going on with uh, with karaoke with kids <laughs> on the on the internet these days, because who what's looks for strategy? that? But 
dude, this is huge, right? Yeah. And yeah. they're actually starting to introduce some ad products and they're trying to think about how to monetize um, this. Total US installs the app so far at more than 96 million users, right? Like how many people are in the US? Like 350 million? The fact that like these numbers are sitting here, and by the way, bigger than what we're seeing for platforms like Pinterest, LinkedIn, Twitter, right? Like these are like way more than established platforms that are out there. Um, and and not quite as big as Facebook and Instagram yet, but still, you know, running about that kind of the third or fourth position, depending on how you look at it. Again, these are installs, not necessarily always active users, which is a, a piece that we're missing here, but just a huge potential for where this app's looking at um, going. Yeah, and I, I think the thing to think about here, just to back up a little bit, I know we talked about Musical.ly was sort of the karaoke app. I mean, yeah. TikTok definitely is broader. It's like 15 second videos, but they can be of anything. They're not just the lip syncing situation. So, okay. you know, just kind of broad, lightweight video sharing, basically. Um, and, uh, uh, and huge, it seems like in not just in China, but in India, 25% of TikTok's downloads to date have come from India. Um, so doesn't surprise us, right? Because India and China have just some massive populations and we always see huge numbers out of those two countries. So I think that to me, if I'm a business owner, I'm thinking about, all right, I've never even heard of TikTok or maybe I have because my kid uses it. Like, what am I supposed to do here? Maybe nothing right now. Maybe just kind of just actually install the app, play with it, like see what's going on there just to start out. Because again, it's growing rapidly. But I think the people who I would, the businesses that I would focus on to actually um uh, sort of make a stab here would be businesses who are aimed at a young demographic, right? Your audience is young um, because that's clearly where TikTok is playing. So when I say young, meaning, um, you know, 13 to 25. Gen Z. Yeah, Gen, yeah, Gen Z. Z. Um, yeah. So again, brands that are aimed, you know, at that demographic is, is going to find a sweet spot. And then again, global, right? Not that all the social platforms aren't global. We've talked about that a ton and they are all very, very global. But TikTok, because it actually came out of China and then again has this huge growing user base in India, I think it, it's just going to have that a, a different vibe to it than something that was homegrown here in the U.S. Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, we've talked about niche social media. This is niche, right? They, they've kind of got a thing. It's, it's around music. It's around socializing, people enjoying that. And I think that's what's so cool about it is that um, it is fun. It is engaging. People do it because they're trying to enjoy themselves. They kind of look ridiculous while they're doing it. Uh, there's competitions. There's a little bit of that competitive element for people that are taking them more seriously. But there's this global language around music, and they've tapped into this a little bit, and they've made it social. By the way, we're not seeing numbers for Spotify here. We're not seeing numbers for Pandora. They're actually running up against social platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter. And if you think about that, the fact that they're able to take a music platform and make it incredibly social and then figure out, figuring out a way to monetize that um, is really interesting because there's not really anyone that else that's competing in that same way. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, bringing, bringing that notion of why is it so popular? And again, short, short anything people love, video anything people love, but, but right. the music component, I mean, you bring up a great point that, you know, think about it, there's, there's huge songs here that are 100% not in English. So it's not as if like the language is even a barrier anymore, like maybe it once was whatever, 40, 50 years ago, like it's all global. So I love that idea that like that's part of the reason these guys are seeing success is because music is that universal language. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I've played around with it. It is super fun. Um, I felt kind of weird because I was literally the oldest person, uh, in anyone that I could find to talk to. So a little bit of a creeper from that side of things. Uh, so I bailed, but, um, it is definitely interesting. I think from an advertiser's perspective that if you do have a product that could reach that group, um, anything from not only just pure advertising, but think about like product integrations because it is video, right? Like, like using influencers to, uh, promote your product while they're actually doing songs and that. I think that's probably probably an interesting way to play this where it's more natural to the song process and people enjoying themselves that it doesn't feel awkward and out of place um, is, is maybe a good way to start thinking about playing that. So keep an eye out for, um, for this platform overall, because it is something that you should be paying attention to at scale. If you have that type of audience that, you know, is that on maybe 25 and under crowd. Um, but also then thinking about, you know, as part of that, how do you look for influencers here? How do you look for integrations of, of people that are reaching a lot of people with what they're doing and in a performance type of way? Yeah, the, the one other note that I thought was interesting when we were researching TikTok was um, uh, perhaps a little less positive and a little more um, uh, um, kind of reality check, if you will, but this is affecting all the platforms. Um, and so it was this Market Watch article around the FTC. And so TikTok actually agreed to pay a $5.7 million fine to the FTC, which is probably chump change for them. But it was still, you know, a slap on the hand as far as um, the FTC's view that they were violating the Federal Children's Online Privacy Protection mm-hmm. Act. And again, this isn't surprising to me because, again, if things grow up out of another region, that as we all know, the laws are different country by country. Culturally, even laws are different. And so um, I could see that the FTC, obviously being U.S. based, might um, you know look at things slightly differently than, say, another, another market or another government would. So um, basically... You know, the app changed its practices in 2017 to officially ban kids under 13 from joining. Um, but, you know, like I was, we were talking earlier before we got on, um, we got on the show, like my daughter was on Musical.ly for a little while. And it, I always sort of had a little pain in my chest about it because she's nine and I just wasn't so sure. But I would watch all the videos and it was so innocent. It was totally just lip syncing back and forth with like her two girlfriends in her elementary school class. Um, but you know, this stuff is a slippery slope and I think it opens up this bigger discussion. I know we've heard Kara Swisher, um, from Recode, um, talk about this a a ton, you know, that kind of what is the responsibility of the user, or in this case, maybe even a teenager, a child and their parent versus what is the responsibility of the platform to do the right thing and protect. Yeah, this is something we probably should tackle on a, on a broader topic at another time, but this is a crazy space, right? And you're touching on a point, and they, they did get, I mean, this is a small fine in terms of social media fines that we've seen. Um, but you think about these these child influencers that are on Instagram and YouTube making millions of dollars from, you know, hawking toys and doing, you know, stupid things like, and, and wearing fashion and the rest of that. And one, like, what is it doing to them? And separately, you know, should they have an account? Right. Because it is, you know, I've, I've worked at Hasbro and we had incredible responsibility to make sure we were marketing properly so that we weren't addressing 13 and under. Uh, but it actually became a, you know, a really salient issue when we were operating in social that you're not trying to attract child users 
that are on social media. Um, if nothing else for the guidelines, but two, just being responsible and making sure that, you know, they're not being exposed to things like Momo or other weird shit that's happening. Uh, because YouTube kids is not a safe environment. It's tragic, right? The only place I feel safe putting my kids is Netflix in the kids section because there's actually curation that's happening there, not just people, you know, kind of putting some keywords in and hoping that it shows up properly. That's so funny that you bring up Momo. I just talked about that earlier this week with somebody. Yeah, it's, it, it again, it's partly at the top of the hour, like what we were talking about with the, the, the rate at which both ad spend, the platforms and just digital marketing as a whole is growing. And it's, we've never seen anything like this in marketing, that the, the rate at which it's changing and expanding. And so I firmly believe that thing, entities like the FTC, you know, government bodies or regulatory bodies who normally have the ability to kind of catch up to industries and make it make sense, sort of right size it. I, I don't think they can with the tech industry. I think they're, they're racing to catch up. And so we're seeing, um, we're, we're just, we're seeing an unevenness. We're seeing things grow much faster than there actually can be parameters and guardrails and sort of safety checks put against them. Yeah. I mean, this is literally how like the minority report starts, right? Because there's not enough humans to curate all the stuff. So they're gonna have to put AI in charge of getting rid of all the, the junk that's out there, the inappropriate and scary stuff. And then it's gonna start predicting all kinds of weird stuff that, you know, once you start posting this, then who are you? Right. And, right. um, so well, and to that point, crazy. I know we're getting, know we're getting way off topic we're, here, we're, but we're, I can't way tangent, But yeah, I, I'll just add to so the AI was reading this great article. I actually shared it on LinkedIn. It was in, uh, um, about the notion of, you know, unconscious bias. And I never, I don't know how this never occurred to me, but I never thought about the fact that if you think about the people that are writing the programs and developing the technology, that is the foundation of, of AI, of artificial intelligence, whoever those people are inherently are, they're people, right? They have unconscious bias based on who they are, how they grew up, how old they are, all those things. Of course, we all do. And so what's fascinating is the fact that if you have too uniform of a group, too similar of a group writing the code that enables AI to work, then you're going to have accidentally this very biased approach to the results, the things that come out of artificial intelligence. It's not representative of the entire population. Oh, now it's getting all scary. Now it's getting all scary. I find this stuff, I, I, lo- I love sort of this connection of the technology and humanity and how it's going to work together down the road. We just talked about how it's like the golden era of digital marketing and how amazing it's going to be. And then we got to close out with, you know, scary <laughs> privacy, <laughs> you know, AI is going to take us over and blow us up. Um, it's always double edged tech. It's totally. Um, I well, think you- I think Mark Zuckerberg is Terminator. I think he he probably <laughs> totally yeah. Um, all right, cool. You want to wrap us up with some takeaways from today? Absolutely. Let's round it out. All right, so we covered actually a lot of a lot of different topics today, but overall, at a macro level, number one, digital is growing. It's still new, as we talked about. So much has changed in the last decade. It's always evolving. And as a business owner or an entrepreneur or someone trying to build a, a, um, a product or market, a service, focus on digital. Number two, um, the connection of content and commerce are continuing to blend and come together. So we talked about that in the realm of Amazon doing live video to support their product sales. We've also referenced that 
around Pinterest and their commerce play. Instagram, I know I've given a lot of personal examples around how Instagram always gets me. So this notion of commerce and content is just coming together more and more. And then number three, um, keep your eyes open and experiment with some of these, quote, growth opportunities or platforms that maybe you're not as familiar with. So TikTok's big, but if you haven't done it, if you haven't gotten in that space before, check it out. Um, it's an up and comer growing fast. And again, we'll keep bringing those ideas to you as we discover them and we, you know, enter things like what's Reddit going to do? What's Pinterest going to do? Where's Spotify going to go? There's a lot of new platforms that are evolving and kind of meshing into that social media world. Yeah. And that's why the space is so huge right now, because there's so many opportunities. So um, hope you guys enjoyed today. You know, this is a lot of fun for us. Uh, this is the Social Currency Show. And uh, you guys just got a full dose. So um, if you want to find us, check us out wherever you're listening to us now, obviously, right? But pick us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, um, and so many more, including Alexa, because we're there too. Just add it to uh, your, your, uh, your, your skills set and uh, go from there. But you'll get notified every Monday if you check out our site socialcurrencyshow.com and sign up for the newsletter because that's when we release all the fresh new stuff to keep you current on what's going on. You can follow us on Facebook as well, Social Currency Show, or find Jess and I individually on Twitter at Tuck Ross or at Jessica K. Jensen. Really appreciate you guys listening. If you are, drop us five stars on the iTunes store or wherever you are because it helps us out and gets us exposed to more people looking for this type of information. So really appreciate it. We love five stars. All right. <laughs> Jess, good catching up. Thanks for you chatting. You too. As All always. Right. See Bye, ya. guys. Bye.